podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the Anfield Drop in association with Reds Bets, a betting company with a difference. 50% of their profits goes to fan and community causes. If gambling isn't your thing, that's fine. It's not mine. But if you do fancy a bet, give them a look. And as always, be gamble aware. We've got Mike Nevin, Dan Morgan, Rob Gutman, Andy Heaton, Fuad Hassan, and I'm Melissa Reddy. And it still feels like it a- it's ages away, but you can st- you can see that it's creeping closer in terms of how many flags and stuff are on the city, Rob Gutman. You can, and... Um... It reminds me of my my well uh, semi adolescence in Liverpool in the in the eighties. I came here went to Liverpool to live when I was eighteen, and I was struck by the minute Liverpool were doing bits. There were flags everywhere, just hanging out of shop windows, out of, out of flat windows, out on cars. It was just a great. It was almost the, the, the day after a semi final win. You knew that the, the, the build would happen, and I remember going down Church Street in the eighties, and W H Smiths would some suddenly have the stands outside with loads and loads of flags and banners. And this, this, this feels like not the first time. There's been smatterings of it down the, the last decade or so when Liverpool have, have reached latter stages of things. But this feels bigger. Um, we were just talking off air about how most of the main arterial roads in Liverpool have now had have pop-up shops with flags and banner shops, just <laughs> ruthless stuff. It's like bomby nights, but for, Liverpool, for LFC, and it's been brilliant. If, if you're living under a rock, we are actually talking about the Champions League final against Tottenham on the 1st of June in Madrid, which is probably what we've all been talking <clears> for, <throat> about forever because this build-up has been so long. Um, Andy, it does feel, like Rob said, different this time around. Last year, houses were decorated and stuff for Kiev, but it felt like it was only three, four, five days before the game, perhaps. But I think because the league season ended a while ago and there's been this gap, we've seen the decorations up for for a lot longer. It feels more, not just drawn out, but more. there's more intensity to it. I think there's an imperiousness this season that wasn't there last year. I think, you know, we got we got to the final in Kiev last year on, on like this mad brand of football and like on a wing and a prayer and it was all or nothing. Whereas this season it just feels like it feels almost like natural like Liverpool are this giant. Um you get the feeling that fans are trying to in my I I think and I'm trying to hypothesize that the the fans are trying to play their part in this. And it's like a generational thing. So like my dad in nineteen eighty one went to Paris and looked at photographs and you know, it was almost the same. Like there's housing, housing Kirby and all the flags and banners out there. And I don't think it's any coincidence that the flanners, that the flanners, the flags, <laughs> the flags are mainly of a retro style. You know, and the, the the basic, the better, and all that kind of thing. And it's, it's trying to get into the mindset of that. And I think in a way, it's almost, I won't say therapeutic, but it it's kind of it, it's helped build the atmosphere a little bit. And there's like a surety to Liverpool this season that maybe there wasn't last year. That and you know, it's, it's great and it's just fun. It's bossing it, and it also um. Puts paid to the uh, the myth about uh, no no Liverpool you know there's no Liverpool fans in Liverpool. I mean even yeah. Cavani's you know, got Liverpool Liverpool flags flying everywhere. I think that's part of it, Andy, isn't it? It's like it, it's your your real chance to sort of put one over the blue noses because when you see that amount of red around the city, it gives light to the idea that you know that they're the people's club. I mean we all know that anyway, but you've got visual representation of that now. Um, I mean 
down our road, like the, the people opposite us. I didn't even know they were Liverpool fans. There's a flag out there, you know, sort of hanging out there, window, and I th- thought, well, I'll go and introduce myself to the fella. <laughs> Did you? I had a conversation, well, yeah, I had a, I had a conversation <laughs> with him and thought to myself, do you know what, I'm a man far more of a red than you. Better get me flag out. And that's exactly what I did. And I, I put my uh, red and white checkered flag that I took to Istanbul. It dates back to Rome in 77. It's not mine. It, it, it's one that I, I managed to pick up from somewhere. Um, so that's got all the history. So I thought oh, that'll show you. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, uh, apparently, the real branch of JJB is doing reward and trade and spares flags. I bet it is. Yeah, but I mean, th- th- this is. I mean, it, but it's. I think the European Cup final is unique. It's it's the one that gets everybody going. It's more more than any FA Cup final. I suppose years gone by. The only other time that you might have said there was competition was when the two Merseyside clubs were playing in cup finals. But this is just about Liverpool, and and that's what makes it really special. What did that actually look like? Weird. Because, <laughs> like, if you've got all these competing flags and banners on the other like a general election, yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah, it did, was yeah, there. Yeah. Was it was, yeah. that was, it was better because there was every house had something. Um, but I, I think you who said the, the fact there's been this drawn out gap it has been significant. And I think it's going to build and build now. We're still a full week away. I drove past the, I was going down the Queen's, Queen's Drive, the Walton Allerton bit of it. And this one that had a really big house, but it had put it had really gone for it with the amount of banners. I thought this is like Christmas. I in, was just about to say, like, know, you, some you, people you, are really you, one up and shipping. It's like Seaforth and 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 Bootle at, at Christmas time, and like all the houses yeah. are trying to outdo each other. Yeah. But yeah. K- so K- it's an extension of that in a football. Sense. Kirby yeah. is the capital. Kirby, Kirby is the capital of the UK yeah. for Christmas lights. It's absolutely bananas. Honestly, like growing up there. And it and it is it's one upmanship. If, if if like there was only like a few lights on each house, so they all have a few lights. But as soon as what someone gets a reindeer outside, someone's gonna have two reindeers, and <laughs> there, there is that element to it. And it, it's just dead funny because you see you see, you see them in blocks. Yeah. So you see roads that haven't bothered at all because no one's bothered. And then as soon as one one pace, then one street kicks off, it all goes up. I, t- I tell you what, what I found funny um, this week was that again down our road, a fellow that I've never spoken to me. Uh, two before, he just comes up to me, he said, you going, lad, you going? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was asking me about, like, you know, whether I had a ticket, what, how I was getting there and that. And then I thought, how does he know I'm a Liverpool fan? Because, and, and then I realised it's probably, there's that been that many times that I've come home drunk after Liverpool games, <laughs> singing my head off, and he, everyone's saying, oh, there's that bloody knobhead down, down, down the road. But at least... No missing a wee Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I've, what, what? Uh, I've, I've, I've stamped my card, haven't I? Just, uh, not, not to try and take over the show, Mal, I do apologise. One thing has has been noticeable over the last couple of weeks: the um, conversation with taxi drivers has stayed well away from football. I have no understanding. No reason why. Tough limits, eh? They can't talk why, about why, it. Why is that? I've had that Funny, they're normally so keen. Fifteen years, they want to, we end up talking about cycling. So, like the, the stereotypes, and everyone goes, "Oh yeah, all cab drivers are ever Tony's." But I said, Mike, back me up on this. Absolutely true. Eighty percent people's cab. <laughs> yeah, um, De- De- cab. Has, has it felt like Christmas for you with all the banners and stuff? Well, I've I've really enjoyed the break to the game. I know a lot of people have been, can we just play it the, the days afterwards? But every day I wake up and think we're in the European Cup final and. You know, in a week or so time, you that won't be a thing. It factually won't be a thing. You know, you're gonna you're gonna wake up and it's gonna be closed season and every day you wake up with the possibilities of, of not only going but, you know, just the anticipation of it. And I, I I love it. I mean, I've been trying to put my finger on why this year feels different to last and it does in many ways. And I think listen, I I loved Kiev and the Ukraine. I thought it was great when I was over there, I thought it was brilliant, but the, the fact of having to go there for the European Cup final, I think it did take a little bit of a shine off it. It almost felt a little bit like it was you were going for a different competition in many mm. ways. It just it, it felt a bit strange and a bit a bit disengaged. And and now like you know, even yesterday 
when I, when I was looking at my ticket and stuff, I was thinking, God, you know, it just has the feel of a European Cup final because it's in a major European city and stuff like that. And just on the theme of everyone else, I mean, I, I travel to work on a road at the back of County Road every day and I, I go through this road and there's actually in one of them houses, one you know, a good flag that you see at the game. I think it's the uh, travelling around Europe with Jürgen's Reds one. And that's out the window and I look at it every morning and I get butterflies and the hair stand up on the back of my neck and I'm thinking... I'm great. This 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 final could be played in August for me. I, I'm happy with this every day. Yeah, this yeah. feeling of anticipation. I'll take it because, like you say, we get to wake up every morning the European Cup final. Other things, so I'm, I'm I'm loving it. And you know, not not the sense of being the beauty of it. If Liverpool get the result, those flags are staying up all fucking summer. Yeah, Aww. absolutely. What I think, since you're the youngest, we should probably like dress you up as a. <laughs> As a flag and stuff, just decorate for one as though it's a house. You offer that. Stand outside the office. And, yeah. yeah. No, it's, I, I agree with what everyone said, really. It's, it's kind of been, it's been a bit funny because I've been putting putting together this video for, for kind of the road to Madrid and, and, and all the home games and away games that we've been on. And, and it, it's kind of, it's funny because we've been through so much that you look back and you forget moments that were so great at the time. You know, PSG at home, that feels like an age ago. And, and what, what a let off that was when we get the winner last minute. And, you know, I think there's something special with how it's how it's sort of a, a, a kind of a culmination of an entire campaign of ups and downs, and then you kind of have this big final to look forward to, and and the period you get to reflect is quite interesting because, you know, I guess when you have the league season as well, that kind of takes your mind off it, and you know, you're back midweek playing, and and then your focus shifts again, and it's it, it's sort of something that kind of it hurts at times and it's strenuous but now you can kind of just relax and look back and reflect and and you know the flags and everything really helps kind of just get you in the mood and and you can't stop thinking about it I think that's the main thing whenever Fuad speaks I always get this uh thing of why do we actually let anyone else speak just let him speak well, it's like chocolate, isn't it? I know She's his voice is his voice is absolutely amazing thanks um, Mel <laughs> um has anyone actually looked at the the temperature for yeah. Madrid 30, next week yes, it is 33 going degrees to, on the Saturday thing, people are it? going to be using those flags to wipe mm. themselves all, all I think it's about 27 by 9 o'clock or something something mad even in the evening this yeah. for the first time I'm warm weather training might actually well be of some significant use I'm uh, absolutely fine with it being that hot by the way yeah I love it uh, what yeah, if you're taking your fine. scarf no problem I mean imagine standing around that, that park with a scarf on that's going to be fair bad yeah. mate you're underestimating this to be lads north head to tower north yeah, face over true. there hundred <laughs> percent guarantee big pyramids coats fit yeah fair colours pyramids our, our fan culture is mainly based around flags though isn't it flags and banners yeah. um, we've had that like continental feel to our the simpler the better by the way basically Mike. I mean you know we, we go mad about uh, all the clubs robbing our songs but if, effectively Liverpool's fan culture is is taken from Europe it, you know that's that's the way yeah. culture evolves isn't it that you know it, it's influenced by things that uh, in and around you. Um, and I think Liverpool, Liverpool is the nation's most continental club. There's no, there's no doubt about it. I think that's why the whole European Cup narrative fits the club and the city so well, because it's an expression of something that's been going on for over thirty years. I mean, even in the in the mid eighties, like the European Games, the flag nights that they called. I mean, most of the flags were of of, of foreign clubs. Like there was a massive Roma flag throughout eighty four, eighty five. Mm. We've got that different feel about us, and I just think that's why and. I don't know whether it's it's passed down verbally to, to to a new generations, but it just seems almost by osmosis to have carried through, and that's I why we're different. I think I mean you get really it's in the culture of the city. Yeah, as well. I was going to say you can get really sociological about this, but I mean yeah. my earliest memories of, of going on the cop and coming to Anfield was of seeing Rangers and Celtic mm-hmm. flags. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that sh- that tells you everything. That tells you that there was the, there is this sort of this c- cultural melting pot element to it. Um, and I think the minute Europe was on offer, and and the fact that there's some sort of hint of a free holiday, not free holiday, exactly, but an opportunity, I suspect, for lads to get away from their their dom- their domestic situations for a few days, um, they did, and they came back with their boots filled. Exactly, ingenuity was the watchword, I think, wasn't it? Yes. And, and appropriation, appropriation um, yeah. on every, on literally and uh, culturally. What's um, what what struck me is the comments post Barca again. And look, everyone likes to think that their own club is special and unique, and everyone likes to think they've got the best fans. And I'm not saying we're the best. I'm just saying I'd say there is a uniqueness, and that's been proven again um, since the Barcelona game. The comments coming out, and just purely how many times the word Anfield mm. has been mentioned, not by us, by the opposition, mm. and you go right through the annals of history. There's teams like Barcelona now coming to Anfield going, we're training a lot, but shit, it's Anfield. And that means something. Yeah. That means something. We had it with, I always remember um, with, uh, when we went to Madrid with you, Rob, if you remember. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there was the mark I carried the famous front page the next week, Anfield, so what? And then the game after they had the tails between the legs into Milan, I think it was maybe even the same season. Couldn't face it. Chelsea, how many times now? It it is there, and it is you. And I think Mike Mike's far more eloquent than me about it. It is, I think it's Liverpool's such an outward looking city as well, and I, I do think that is that woven into it is there there's a little bit of fuck you about it to everyone else. If we're being totally honest, yeah. I think Anfield has become more Anfieldy though. In modern, if you think Anfield is more of a fortress today, I'm going to say than I think it was in the golden age where we were the best in a certain sense. In that we've had, I would now say it's become, it's become a parody of itself, but in a, in a, yes. in a good way. Well, yeah, the myth has grown and grown, yeah. and yeah. there are certain there are certain nights where we started to do impossible things. Like Dortmund was an impossible thing. Olympiakos was that was another one. Sorry, yeah, Olympiakos was impossible. What we did to Roma mm-hmm. was ridiculous. What we did to Man City, those those, those were the kind of performances which, in the golden age, we didn't have to have mm-hmm. so much, mm-hmm. and we didn't have. And I think it's now a thing that you've been Anfielded. Barcelona were Anfielded, and I don't think anyone who comes there goes yet. We hear about tales about going to Turkey and oh, it's a, it's a cauldron that 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 venue will go go to the old uh, Al Samian uh, Stadium. Yeah, and you go, you go. Those are tough places to go, but but top pros go. Yes, it's fine. What we do, you go there. You quiet in the crowd, calm the game down, and then you win. No one can do that to Anfield, really. Okay, one or two do, but it's very, very hard to do it. I'm not sure why we're talking about Anfield when we're not going to, but we're playing in <laughs> Madrid. That's but-, it. But, but fan culture is a big part of it. And Mike, you made the point that Liverpool is the most continental sort of influence city. Um, and that's true because you can actually see it and how other clubs have celebrated the fact that you're, you, Liverpool are in another European Cup final. Uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach had um, Ale Ale Ale, Jamie Webster's version mm. playing at their stadium at halftime. I think it was like last week or the week before yeah, or something. I, I sent it because my friend was at the game, sent me the recording. I sent it to him and he's like, you know what? This is actually mental because you're the second person to send me this. You've sent me an audio file. Somebody sent me a video of uh, the stadium going mad to my version of the song. Um, you had... Borussia Dortmund, but obviously they, you know, they've also got the Jurgen Klopp connection. But I've seen so many teams, like even from really obscure leagues, celebrating the fact that Liverpool are in the final again. And I think that's part of it that Liverpool are so um, open to mm-hmm. going to different cities and you know adopting the culture and and being a part of it all. But 
I did a feature not so long ago for The Athletic talking about Liverpool's European rebirth under Jurgen Klopp. I'm really happy we've mentioned the fan culture element because I think it's been intertwined. It's that revitalization of the fan base has coincided with this upturn on the pitch. And I think it's mutually beneficial. And Webster was was one of the people I've spoken to about it. But, you know, we think about the boss night, Shevchenko Park. If anyone was in Kiev um, last season, were you, were you there, Dan? Yeah, Just so with you, Melon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so much. I was, because I've not experienced a game as a fan, I've always got to work it. That was the first, ex- Kiev was the first experience I had as as a supporter to just go and see what it's like. And I was so blown away by everything. It was um, it was magical, Shevchenko Park. I mean, it, I remember my, my most vivid memory about Kiev was uh, just thinking to myself, in no other situation would I be here. And that was, I mean, I, I, like I said, I thought it had tons of character. I thought the people were lovely. I thought they couldn't do enough for you in, in the main. Um, and then you kind of you kind of go there and you go through your logistics of why you're there and you're getting towards the game. And then you sort of walk towards this park where even streets away you could hear these echoes of, mm. of noise of Liverpool. And you started to feel a little bit homely, a little bit of nostalgia. And then you get in this park and it's a sea of red and... You literally could be anywhere in the world and it just reminded you why you were there and and it, it just had this hazy, like pyro filled scent to the air and, and it's really difficult to explain if you wasn't there and I know some fans take exceptionalism by saying, Oh, you know, you 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 had a nice time and you but you didn't win anything and all that and, and I think that's important to reference when we, we talk about fan culture because I think Mike makes a, a really good point before when he says that, you know, some people look at us and, and think that we we look outwards more than they do. Well, I think we do because we we make. I think we get ache so much because we make the effort to go out to Europe and and, and seek these cultures and, and bring them back to Liverpool. And then we kind of see it getting ripped off by a, a soccer AM culture of fan base that you know sing about austerity in Liverpool like it's the nineteen eighties still <coughs> and stuff like that. And it's just lazy, and it's it's almost that. It's almost why Liverpool need to be in Europe for me is that they, they get those experiences themselves, but they also bring them back here and let everyone else see what we've what we've learned ourselves. And, and another thing I want to touch on is is I think what's coincided with Jürgen and his reign is is that we've seen almost an exuberance of youth amongst the support adopting to it, and, and and it's it's been exemplified by the Champions League season for me this year. I've had a couple of the spying cop kids by me, and they're only seventeen. And they only turn up for the, the European nights and um, and they stand by me and, and we've we've got a really good relationship built and the last half an hour in Barcelona was just me managing them through the game, honestly, they were crying their eyes out. And I'm, I've got my arms around both and I'm saying it's all right, this is what we need to do to get through and I'm, I'm saying we'll score five if they score one, don't worry, I'm giving them all this because the, the occasion just completely overawed them. But it was, it was it, I think the... I think the effervescence we're seeing in the stadium and, and these young lads and girls who are buying into Liverpool and what it is today is, I think it's kind of knocking years off all of us in a way and it's making us kind of collectively become a little bit more young and at heart and, and younger at adopting the, the club and, and what it is today. So just that as well is, is a big thing for me. I think the boss night thing is, is and, and it's an incredible expression of Liverpool culture. I mean, it's completely scouse. Uh, and I, I know like people from outside Liverpool have latched onto it now, and that's you know, that's good, it's natural. But the buying is in the right be, way. Because it's, because it's attractive, mm. and it's unique, <clears throat> and it's very, very Liverpool, and people want to buy into that idea. Um, 
but equally, it's given. I think it's given a lot of the, like the ticketless Liverpool local generation a chance to express their love of the club. Yes, yeah. Um, you know, not all of them go to the match regularly. Um, as Dan said, there a lot of them just European games because there's there's been accessibility in the past that 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 it's allowed that that you know has been allowed by that. And I think basically that influx of local local young fans has definitely it's it, well it's given the likes of me a leg up if you like. Because um, it gives me the chance to pontificate to younger people, but at the same time, it's 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 boss because it keeps you young and it keeps you in touch. I mean, like, and I, you know, with, with songs like people people talk about, oh, they sing that too often. La 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 is the best best football song that I've heard in fifty years. I prefer Si Senor. Do you like Si Senor? I love Si Senor. I do, I do. But in terms of, but that's about one player. I'm all about team and stuff like that. And I just think, and the fact that I mean, for me, like it, Paris down to take, he's got massive. Uh, resonance with me because my first European Cup fan I was 13 in Paris didn't have a ticket didn't get in it's horrible feeling when you're in a city and you can't go to the game down to Turkey I was in Istanbul 20 years after Heisel so you know it's got a personal reference for me but it's just a brilliant song you said the word osmosis before and that struck yeah. a chord with me um, and Robin yourself and Robin know far more but there is a footsteps of our fathers kind of thing going on lately and I think a lot of the, a part of that is because for the first time in ages I think as well the club is so united with the fan base and look it'll never ever be perfect but if you look at where it was not so long ago especially with the ticket war walk out even on the family sports group you know they are, it is a lot closer in the, and there is that Shevchenko Park last year as well I mean correct me if I'm wrong but one of one of the things about it there is a sense of wonder and adventure because you're thinking I'll never be here again in my lifetime in yeah. all probability yeah. Yeah. you know and then you walk up to Shevchenko Park and it's the way the city's built, it's like on it, like it's almost like a, a grid system. And you walk up and you can like hear it as a whisper. And then a whisper be, whisper becomes a hum. But you feel that you, you actually feel the resonance. But rather than hearing it, you like you feel it. It's like a bass thing. <clears throat> I can only describe it as like oh, similar to the first time I went to New York. And you can feel the intensity mm. of the city. And you're exactly right. And it just felt it this massive and it felt like we'd arrived somewhere. Mm. And Look, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I, I did say this straight in the aftermath of Kiev. The reason why I think it should, it was heartbreaking, but it was nowhere near as bad as what it could have been, because yeah. I think I said at the time on the show, but you think it didn't feel like the end of something. It felt like the start of yeah. something. And this just feels like the next step. And as much as the club have ramped it up, the fact we, as, as a fan base, yeah. we've seen that and gone with it as well. And it just seems like everyone's just bought into this ideal. And it's an ideal that hasn't been there since... 2005 maybe and long may, long may it continue Shevchenko Park was so important because having known people who went to the game that so who worked the game who didn't have the Liverpool fans working you know for the club and stuff who didn't have the opportunity to go to Shevchenko Park because they had to be at the stadium early and fans who didn't travel at all to Kiev and Rob you could probably you know uh, come in after I've I've said what I've said to give the other perspective. Um, people who were there, the happiness that filled the place and, and Andy's point about you knew it was the start of something. It When you were there, you you could you could feel that this was a celebration, not a celebration linked to the game, to the match that was taking place. A celebration of Liverpool's journey under Jürgen so far and where everyone foresaw that going. In the stadium itself, it was quite devastating uh, the way the game panned. But who, all the people that went at Shevchenko Park were still so defiant. Uh, it, it was like, oh, 
didn't go our way, but we'll be back. It was that there were defiance is the only only word I can find it. And when I saw my friends afterwards who hadn't had the experience I just had, I was still that I was still happy. I was still like it felt like I was walking on a cloud still. Of course, I was disappointed that Liverpool lost the game, but my eyes had been open to if this continues, this the fans and the players all pulling in the same direction. It's yeah. going to be fantastic. But when I saw all my mates afterwards, they were on the floor. They were, they were like dead. They were, they were absolutely gone. Was it the same for you? Rob? Yeah, I was, I was, I was devastated because <laughs> I think I, I couldn't go because I couldn't get um, my youngest Rafi out of school to come with me. He's here listening to this now. Um, so we couldn't go. So we, you know, we made as big a deal as you can watching on the on a big telly with lots of friends and family, and it was it, it was as nice as, as an environment as we as it could be, but there wasn't all that. I think in the weeks before before the final, I felt that that restoration of pride. I felt whatever. I didn't expect us to beat Real Madrid. I thought we could. I thought our name was on it. I thought we could, but I didn't expect it. So therefore, I was always looking past it in a certain sense. I'm thinking, well, we are the coming force here. We will. There will be more to come next season. But on the day, when it came to on the day, I badly wanted Liverpool to finish that day with the European Cup. And the way it unravelled was, because there you, you, you know, cause we didn't have Shevchenko apart, we were just alone with, the, t- with yeah. the story that unfolded on our screens. And the story was a nightmare. It was a football, and you could not have a, a game which just goes against you. And a nightmare not in the sense that you, you get back, outplayed and beaten 4-0 kind of nightmare. In a way, you can you can dust yourself down and go. Oh, that's fine. You know, we were put in our place. But but this was that was cruel. The manner of that, um, and I didn't get up again until I found we were signing Fabinho. <laughs> forty-eight <laughs> hours, 48 hours yeah. later, that, that lifted me off the floor. It's interesting <laughs> that though, because I think there's. I remember it. I mean, I think there's something really humbling in just being at a game and watching it live. Mm. Whereas if you, I think if you're watching it on a screen and it's from somewhere halfway around the world, it takes on this extra gravitas. And for me, just watching the game, I've never watched it back because I don't want to. I don't see the need to. Me neither. I could have been watching a Sunday league game where I watched the keeper throw it at a lad and it went in the back of the net. And it just, it almost made it, it made it a little bit more human in a way. But I remember, I mean, I was, I was next to Neil in the game and Neil's told the story before and got no shame in it. He was absolutely crestfallen at the final whistle. He was in tears. Yeah, I was. And I, and I, was, I was really defiant. But I remember my... My my thought, my thought first and foremost was saying to him, "They're our boys, they're us, they're a representation of us. They've they've done us more than proud this season. They've beaten Manchester City. You know, they've they've fought through for something that we didn't expect. They're they're a credit to us. So we make sure we're there for them now because obviously they've been they've been more than enough for us. And and I remember saying to him, we 'We'll be back.' And I knew we would be. And knew that it was only the start. And and that feeling was was crazy because I I just couldn't feel upset. I couldn't feel on the floor with it. Do you think that the final in, is it? Well, I mean, there's two things here. The Kiev last year, you know, the was the, the, the carrier's thing, and you mentioned the Fabino thing, and what what a replacement we've signed as a goalie. But talking about the game itself, and I know it's at the Atletico's new stadium, but do you think there's an element with it being in Madrid? There's almost like even though they're not involved, there's almost like a score to settle element to this. I think there is. I mean, I, I'm sort of quite. I got knocked around. I'm quite house. excited. I mean, get, aside from the, the the game itself, I'm quite excited <coughs> about us really showing off to the Madrid people. You know, because they're they're a cultural centre, they're a football centre, aren't they? And I think we, for the first time, we get to to illustrate to them just how massive we are because the Spaniards don't really travel in the same numbers as, as us anyway. There was plenty of them in Kiev, by the way, but nonetheless. <laughs> 
this is a chance to ram down the, the the throats of Real Madrid fans who live in that city. How many of how many of, of how many we we are basically? Because I'd say, I mean, I I reckon Liverpool will have at least sixty to eighty thousand fans in Madrid. Yeah, I really do. And I, I know there's like you know loads of sort of ticketing issues around that, but as an expression of just how big a football club Liverpool is, possibly the biggest, well, to, to, arguably the biggest. The, the, the point um, was, and we get the chance to, sh- to to show that to another club who might think that they're that they're, you know they're, they're in that position themselves. So my, my original poorly articulated point was exactly what you've what you've just said, but I know we can get misty eyed about it, and I agree with what Dan was saying about you know rallying after the, the final whistle last year. And I don't know whether it's a coping mechanism, Mel. You know what you know, but what, what I can't imagine what it was like in the press box. But like whether it's a self defense mechanism. As soon as the final whistle went, I was right. I was I'd almost written in my head, right? This is going to be part of something. This is going to happen for a reason. And the lessons we learned tonight, we're going to get something out of it. We didn't defeat with Crest Forum, but we're going to take that. And everyone thought Liverpool have fought a bit in the, in the next season. Everyone, every, there was a, there, there, there was a. There was a narrative there, and it's gone now because Liverpool have been so great that oh well, how are Liverpool going to recover from that? And I think we've just proven to everyone. I think that's involved with the pride element as well, in so much as we've been kicked as, as hard in the bollocks as you could do in the, in the manner in which we lost, and yet we're back again. Yeah, I think one of the helpful things for me, even before Shevchenko Park, honestly, genuinely, was the best experience, football-related experience I've had. I I didn't know anything like it, and. Since then, I've felt that that has carried through the entire season. Every European game I've gone to, every away game, you've you've sensed that just spill over. But even before Shevchenko Park, I'd done that uh, from Hong Kong to to Kiev. How Liverpool dealt with preseason, the Coutinho situation, all the way through to planning for life after the final. I'd known from the January Liverpool had already started their transfer work and most of it was pretty much done. Um, so in my head, I knew that whatever happened in that game, Liverpool would be okay after the um, the final whistle. But then other than that, I knew that after the game, the players were watching all the footage. They were watching the fans at Shevchenko Park and stuff, you know, all the videos that were on Twitter, YouTube, as a sort of thing of, my God, this is who we play for. These are the people we represent. Look at them. We cannot be on the floor. We have to go again as well. So that disappointment that everyone felt, and um, you know, even from doing the piece from the tears in Kiev to to how Liverpool became title contenders, Jurgen's feeling was about um, you know Ox being injured and missing out on on playing in that and. You know, now he's got to go through this long rehabilitation period. Mo Salah with his World Cup in jeopardy, such a great season at ending that way. That was his disappointment. But the players, you know, in those moments, they're all feeling heartbroken for themselves, for their families, for the fans and all that. But them seeing that sort of footage lifted them. For do you think, you know, all all the stuff that we saw last season in terms of the the fans and how the fans helped the players through. We spoke about the game against Roma at Anfield, the games against City. Um, do you think this season as well, they've looked at all that and thought, you know, with the Barcelona game most especially, well, why can't we do it when we've got them behind us? Yeah, exactly. I think that Barcelona game, it, I think the strength and belief in 
with within the squad and in the fans was already there. But when you have a night like that, I, I, I sort of thought to myself afterwards, you know, you watch Fabinho stood there kind of singing, you'll never walk alone. He's been at the club for a few months. And, and it, I, I was sort of thinking, taking my kind of emotion out of it. If, if you're, if you're one of those players, how could you ever play for another club if you've, if you've experienced something like that? Because, you know, there's, there's nowhere else in the world where something like that can happen. And I think, you know, you can look at, managers post-match kind of interviews and things and and you know sometimes they're not exactly you know they're very much kind of giving out a media kind of line but I think Jürgen was so honest and his kind of shock and and his kind of numbness was was really interesting because I think he realized himself that he he's accomplished so much more than he thought he could have uh, off the pitch in, in the time he's been there and I think that's something that you know he might not necessarily have thought of being as kind of as, as possible when he first came in but you know you've seen videos of him watching watching the footage like you said of of Shevchenko Park and places and and you know that the, the whole thing of creating the belief off the pitch because at the end of the day it, it's something that the players want us to enjoy the manager has always said that he wants us to come in and have a good time you know he talked about a football party before before that game and and, and to show an appreciation and, and just have a great night so yeah I think I think the players now are at that stage where they they, they're not bogged down by the weight of expectation. I think in the past you've seen players who who aren't quite at the level and don't have the self belief um, struggle with the kind of pressure of, of, of representing us, representing the, the fans, and and these guys I think are so so sure in themselves that they're able to embrace that responsibility and use it for kind of positive rather than a thing weighing them down. Well, there's a there's a really really good interview with Virgil Van Dijk. Um, where he references that and he also references the crowd thing as well he likens it to Celtic and the, I don't know if he's read it yet but if you haven't and this is just anyone listening to the show I'd definitely give it a read because it, it, it's an interesting insight into the psyche of of Virgil van Dijk and you think that that permeates through the rest of the squad and what was what was really interesting in, early in the week we've done well we've done some really good interviews with European Cup winners I spoke to Craig Johnson Josh and John spoke to Kenny Daglish and they said they were petrified. It's mad because, and it surprised me. I mean, like giants of the game, like Kenny saying, you know, in the, in the weeks running up, and they referenced 84 because there was a three week gap then, which mm. is similar to now. And so we just wanted did to they play went the abroad and kick shit yeah. out of each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Um, Sat by a pool for three but they weeks. Said, they? But they said the, nerve, the nerve, <laughs> nerves almost overcame them in the horrible way. You've got like, and that's Kenny Daglish saying that. And now you're there, Javan, like going, nah. nah, I don't get nervous, I get excited. And you're like, and but I think Fuad's absolutely spot on there. He said, you know, players who aren't quite at the mark, and they not think they're going to get found out. But there's that anxiety around it where you've got a behemoth thing going now. Who doesn't get flat? Who doesn't? Literally, and metaphorically, doesn't flap mm. or anything. You've do you got, know what? Do you I, know I, I, don't, I don't want to. I don't want to touch wood. By the way, I'm touching all the wood in the world when I'm saying this. I, but that payment's right through the side. I think it's interesting what Fu said about um, Klopp looking sh- little sh- shell shocked and and shaken by what he'd seen in Barcelona. It was sort of a realisation that the whole thing's actually bigger than him. And he's had a magnificent season. But I think one of the, his greatest achievements we may come to see is I think he's got a team that's sort of bigger than him now in a certain sense, in as much as the, 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 the sum of their personalities. The, all the cliches abide here. This is a team of captains. You look at, the, you look at the, the, the steeliness of someone like Andy Robertson, and he's young still. But... You know, people go, well, Klopp's lost a lot of finals. Is there a Klopp factor? He's created a team here that's bigger than him. And that will, a lot of people, he's, he's, he's brought in these players for this reason. People like Van Dyke, they're not interested in the burden of Liverpool's 
29 years without the title. They're not interested in whether Jürgen's got a bad record in cup finals in recent times. They're just winners, really, really composed winners, I think. And I think it's going to make a difference. He's created a... I think he's, he's created a, a way in which these players see things in a different light to others as mm. a collective. And I think what's really interesting is that I, I've looked at this team throughout the last couple of years and it's clear to me they are solely focused on taking responsibility for the things they can control and they are fully aware of what they can't control. So if you use the final, for example, you know, if we are to get a really bad decision in the game or, you know, touch wood, it doesn't happen, but we're struck down with injuries early on, they know they have no control over that. They are looking at what they can control all the time and, and shaping their own destiny. And I think a really good example of that is something like Fulham away this season, where that, that equaliser for Fulham would have ruined Liverpool teams in the past. They'd have gone on to lost that game, they'd have gone on to feel sorry for themselves, it probably would have put them in a slump for the next five or so. This Liverpool team looked at that and said, OK, we've got, what, 15 minutes or so left? What can we control? What we can go and win this game? And just put that to bed. And Van Dijk was central to that. You know, he was, it was his mistake and he just brushed it off. Yeah, it happens. I'm playing football, so what? I even think you saw that at Wolves on the last day, where they were where they were shaken by yeah. that by the, by the crowd suddenly picking up on what was happening at Brighton, and it took them 15 minutes, but they did they did re- reassert themselves in think, a difficult yeah. game. And I think it's a really good point that there's always been pressure to play for Liverpool Football Club. I think even as fans, sometimes we're guilty of not realizing how big this club is. Mm-hmm. Klopp talks about this club is is mammoth. You know, around the world, next week there will be people all around the globe getting up at ridiculous times and congregating together to watch Liverpool in the European Cup final because they're huge Liverpool fans as much as anyone here. And that's, that's something that I think, like I say, in our own little Liverpool bubble sometimes we tend to forget about. And that the club makes a great, great quote when he first comes in about carrying the history around in a rucksack as if it's weighing you down. And and it, he's again, he's found a way to get these players to walk into Melwood every day and to look at the European Cup and go, yeah, sound, that's where we should be. That's what we should be aspiring to, not, not you know, some shrinking violence that we've seen in the past, which is, you know, I'm not having a go at anyone's, slighting anyone's personality or whatever, or or mental strength. I think there are just certain ways in which, Stephen Warnock says in the Provo yesterday, it all comes down to the manager in terms of mentality and, the, and the, the environment he creates. Well, I think we've got the best in the business for that, in my own opinion. It's um, the one thing that's really struck me, just going exactly off the back of that, there is a small C conservatism in Liverpool where we, you know, as, as much as we walk chest out, we don't really talk about how, you know, we, we, we kind of worry about things we don't, and we don't see things from the outside and we worry about small mi- things in my cosms and all that stuff. But when you read opposition managers' quotes about Liverpool, it was the Bayern Munich manager, Kovac, in the run to the Bayern Munich game, and he went, no, no, these are the these are one of the best sides, if not the best side in Europe at this, and he's not the only one. Valverde, after Barcelona, have just done his 3-0 in, 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 in Barcelona. Nah, it's not over yet. Messi's the, reaction well, to well, them not getting the fourth goal mm, told you everything you needed to know about that. Second, well, exactly. Yeah. But Messi's reaction to the free kick. Mm. Do you know what I mean? He, he was like, he was, he was elated, and then exactly when Dembele misses that, because they just know there's a, the slightest sniff. I, I, who was it? Who, who was it? Who said yesterday? Liverpool over two legs will kill you. And I know this is only a final, but we are at that top table, and I haven't been away from it for so long. I think this ties into the flags thing and the banners and everything we referenced earlier in the show. That takes a while to like settle with settle amongst the fan base, and I think it's finally just settling now where we feel comfortable and walk a little bit chest puffed out a little bit. I tell you what, though, I mean, Istanbul's what um, 
is it 15 years, 14, 14 years, years, years ago. Today. You can't underestimate the impact that that scoreline on the club's history yeah. has in the psyche of every Liverpool team that goes out on the pitch now. Because well, look at the FA Cup final. Because we're famed, yeah, exactly, one year later, pretty much the same thing. Yeah. And and then of late, you know, these incredible comebacks against Dortmund, against Barcelona. That, that I think that's all rooted in Istanbul. I really do. I mean, going back to slightly um, a lesser point, but when United were dominant, they, they, they came back from um, 3 0 down against Sheffield Wednesday one time, around the time that they won the first league title. And then all of a sudden, it was in, it was in our heads, even if they go 2 0. Yeah. And then another time, they came back from 3 0 down at Spurs and won 5 3. As soon as you start thinking that you can do that, and Liverpool Football Club thinks, thinks all of this now. As a, it's a legacy of Istanbul, you know. It was a miracle, but at the same time, it's a believable miracle because it actually happened. And I think that it never goes away. And especially in a European Cup final, you never go up. I think there's there's kind of this weird thing with opposition managers that you're talking about, Andy, where you know they're asked to explain after a game what's just happened. You know, you look at Dortmund and and, and PSG earlier this season, and you know Barcelona. There's sort of an acceptance where they're like the managers are sort of like. Well, they got one goal, and we we know what happens next. They they know that that first goal is so important, and I don't think there's another club in the world that a, a, a stadium that kind of believes as much after getting that first goal. If you're three 0 down, or you you know you're two 0 down, four 0 down, whatever it is, that they can go on and get another. And and there's that kind of patience, and we know how to pick our moments to drive the players on, and it's something that you know you you, you can take for granted because no manager of, of these sort of teams should be saying that. No one should be saying, well. They got a goal and and we all know what happens next. The players drive that. One of my favourite moments of the season was Jorginho and Wijnaldum wrestling the ball out of the arms of Ter Stegen when, yeah, he scored, yeah. when he scored the first. It was very similar. It reminds me of Stephen doing the... Mm. This is great for podcast, by the way. But Stephen doing the arms at 3-1 in Milan. It was like, right, okay, fucking game on. Yeah. There you the, go. The uh, thing I wanted to mention is... Even before the kickoff of that second leg against Barcelona, Arsene Wenger... Was was telling anyone who'd listen? It's, didn't he say something like, "It's the last place that you want yeah, to go"? It, yeah, you do not want mm. to go for a return leg to Anfield. You don't want it. But I think he said crazy things happen there. Mm. Things you 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 know are coming, so you try and plan for them, and you cannot control them no matter what you do. Um, I also put down that Virgil Van Dyke interview because he says something so interesting in there. Not just that he's not nervous and that everyone's relishing this, but I think he was asked, because the way he answers it means it was directly referenced in the question, how would Liverpool pick themselves up having lost the league by a point to City after getting 97 points and losing the European Cup final for a second successive season? How do you deal with that as a team? And he says, we're not thinking about that. We're, we're thinking about we have the opportunity again to go and win the European Cup and that's what we're focusing our energy on. We're going to give everything for that goal. And then he says, and I read that we could, you know, then win um, the uh, the Community Shield, then win the, the Super Cup. So we're thinking about the trophies we can win, not the inverse of that situation. And he said... We're all confident enough here to know what we're capable of. And even if things go don't go our way, what we can continue to do. And I think that mentality really has kind of seeped through the fan base. It's so important that people don't view every single 
opportunity as fatalistic as the last one because they've proven to us after Kiev that hang on no this is this is what we do now we're going to uh, compete for the title we're going to be in the conversation at the final stages for the European Cup moving forward this is who we are now Um, but you know we've got a few minutes to go and I know loads of Liverpool fans are going to be in Madrid without tickets but more so there are people that I know traveling from all over the world to come to the city in anticipation for the parade, but also just to feel <clears> close because <throat> they can't afford to go to Madrid, to feel close to, to what's happening. If you're advising them, because we're speaking about, you know, the banners, the flags, which area should they go to? Which roads should they go and check out, you know, to get the feel off of these decorations? That's to go and keep Rob company. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm still a ticketless House party at Rob's house. Yeah, I. Do you know? I was. I just said to my. I, I booked my flights, booked my hotel, um, and thought, well, the ticket usually by hook or by crook, I'll get it. I, I, you know, I've never. We, we, I've put the hours in. I've never not got. But this one's off the off the charts. It's not. I'm now believing it's not going to happen. I did say to myself, I'd still watch it in a bar in Madrid, but I'd sort of made the, my mind up in the, in the in the last week that. No, I'd rather be be in the city. But my, Mike, you've actually swayed me just partially during the course of this by describing that is there? Any, I can't make my mind up. Is there a need to be near the actual event? I think near I, the actual, I think or I, is I, the city, I, I, I take your point. I think there's. I don't know. You, I mean, I think it's one one of the things when you go to the European Cup finals, you you, you you've got no sense of what's going on at home, and you, and, and ridiculously, it's a bit trite to say that you feel a bit jealous that you're missing out on the the home experience when you go into the game, but. If, I think if if I didn't have a ticket and I'm lucky enough to have one, I think I'd, I think I'd go because I'd want to be part of that. The day before the game, the other thing people don't understand, and um, I think it's the night before. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. the day. I'd quite like to game. be with you before. Exactly. I'd be, yeah. We'd be equals for that night well, only. Exactly, not exactly. and you know, I don't know how good your pickpocketing skills are. Yeah. But <laughs> it's, um, I mean, teach me, I, mate. I, I, I mean, I'm just relating back to KF. The, the best <laughs> one, KF the night before the game. Was the best one of the best nights of my life. Yeah. It really was. It was fantastic, um, and you know I'm t- I'm anticipating that in Madrid. I've got my dad flying in on the morning. I've got my son flying in like midnight the night before. So it's you know I'm I'm really looking forward to it. But it's about see be it, if you knock around with Liverpool fans, we all we all know each other. We all it's like we're all on nodding terms at the very least. It's and, the scouts' and, thing, ever had the yeah, little nod. Yeah. I, I mean, I, there's a, a mate of mine, Jacko, who, who, who comes from Crosby. I'm, I've been on nodding terms for, with him for thirty years, and we've recently started speaking. I said it's mad, isn't it? It's just what you're doing. It stays. Right. It's the when nods, it, then there's the let yeah. on, then the oh, and then oh, and I, I said to him, "You going to Madrid?" And he, he came out with my, my, one of my favourite phrases: "Is that a rhetorical question?" Of course I am. And Carragher said on the, um, I think this was in on the Wolves commentary watching that back. Um, he says that uh, you know everyone they're looking forward to Madrid now. This is a big disappointment, and I tell you what, I don't know anyone who's not going. Um, I'm, thinking, no, I'm gonna have to go now. If we win, do you want to tempt fate here? What time is the parade back in Liverpool? Sunday. It'd be the Sunday. Sunday, yeah. yeah. Sunday afternoon, yeah. See, I've got a, I've got a flight back from Madrid at the three o'clock. So that's be two o'clock English time, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Just, just make it. I just land in the city. Land what do you think, Rash? Should we go to Madrid? <laughs> not in the back so, there. You know what though? I mean, the one thing oh, on this, one well, thing, pay for the bloody flights. One thing, one thing I will say, Rob, and I would dearly like you to come to Madrid purely mm. just so we can have a couple of beers on the day on the day of the game and all that stuff. One thing I have found this year, which is mad, is being in the ground is so much easier than watching it on the telly. Yeah. Watching mm. this this side, 
And I've never experienced that before. There's been it starts with my I couldn't go to Man City the second leg last year, and I was nervous as hell. Oh, that was oh, hell. Yeah. That I watched that. Well, I couldn't get for that. But yeah. in the ground, but there's been like Barcelona in the ground. There wasn't any nerves. Well, if yeah. I know if I was watching that at home, you'd be an absolute bag of shit. I don't know. Four 0 I wasn't in a good place in the ground. <laughs> yeah. Stephen Gerrard got off. I think. I mean, I don't know. But it's, I'm sure this is across all generations. When you're in a football match, you feel like, like you've got an extra, some kind of control over it with your eyes. I mean, you just the, the Barca second leg, right? I I man marked Lionel Messi in my head <laughs> because every time. When at Barcelona had possession, I was looking, right, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? I man-marked him. First, first 45 minutes, I was knackered at half-time. Absolutely knackered. Because I was playing. I was basically playing. But you but know you, and and, and Sorry, I, I felt that my ability to sort of keep an eye on him was part of the whole business of him not being as effective as he could have been. And when you're in the ground, I just think about now against Barcelona, it's 4-0, the minutes are ticking by, and Barcelona coming forward. You just get off your seat and go, Liverpool, Liverpool. Yeah. Just, you just think you're just trying to do something. Anything you, do, anything you can do. Anything you can do. And then around you, people are doing it. So yeah, to that extent, you do feel you can do something mm-hmm. about it. It is... Um, in front of a TV, there's nothing. You're shouting into into space. Okay, but not everyone is going to be lucky enough to get to Madrid. So for those paying to come to Liverpool, any shouts for for where they can go to experience? <laughs> I think the centre of town because that's Just where that's town. where the yeah. most the, you know that's where everyone you know flocks to. It's like a oh, to a flame, isn't it? Alternative, and I know it's sold out to anyone who's lucky enough. But if you can get T is going to be immense because you're right by Anfield. I, I remember, right, yeah. yeah, Anfield around the ground. If you can get a, a pub anywhere near, have you got it on in the brick? Um, I think Concert Square on over street would be wild if Liverpool win Town or by Anfield but Anfield if if they do it Anfield will be fucking unreal Mm. this has been the Anfield Wrap we hope you've enjoyed it wherever you are in the world we hope you will enjoy the European Cup final and the aftermath because if you're enjoying it we're enjoying it Liverpool are enjoying it and that's the way we want it to be Sports Social Podcast Network